I'm just always amazed when people are so good at what they do and like call stack, they just like, they got this. Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Good morning, nerds. You're listening to episode number 19 of the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Jonathan Weed, and with me, as always, is Spencer Carley. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying the nice, cool fall weather we've been having here lately. Uh, <laughs> it did turn a, fall fast. All of a sudden, yeah. We went from like 90 degrees down to 70 degrees within like Mother Nature hit that light switch, man. And it <laughs> went from, I mean, pretty warm and pretty hot to not so either. Yeah, definitely. How's it been with you? Um, it has been very busy. Yeah. I Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to work my normal hours, get my eight hours in, but... Um, just still packing and purging, taking stuff out to the curb, supporting my local community with all <laughs> my free crap. <laughs> um, I still have a 72 Spitfire project car if anybody is interested. So, uh, you know, that's still a thing. Wow. Yeah. So what happens if you don't sell it before you move? Um, that's a good question. My, my, <laughs> I will let you know next week. All right. Yeah, um, my neighbor across the street said that um, he would store it for a little bit, and by little bit, he meant like a few months. Okay. So there is an outside possibility that I'll take it down with me, like come back and get it and take it down. It's just that currently I have no idea where I would put it, so I would need to go down and find a garage that I could rent. Okay. Something big enough with electricity that I could work in. Right. And, you know, potentially keep working on it down there. Okay. But so, yeah, I don't know. And then another guy I had over just to see how much it would cost to get running again. He asked how attached I was to it being a fully British car. And when I asked him, what does that mean? <laughs> he said he could pull the engine and the transmission out and put a Chevy small block v6 in there with a turbo something or other transmission and turn it into a really kick-ass hot rod okay so, so there's that possibility but that's kind of expensive right <laughs> so yeah i don't know what's going to happen there but we're charging forward i am taking off next week and uh, moving truck will be here monday i'll be packing up monday and tuesday and heading out everything we got to be out early Wednesday morning because their walkthrough okay. is at nine, I think. So we got to be out and the place has to be cleaned. Right. Oh, moving yeah. so much work. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is. Oh, this better be worth it. That's all I got to yeah, say. Definitely. Well, I, I wish you say. wish you luck on all of that next week. Yeah. Thanks. So um, we apologize. We missed a week and that is a hundred percent my fault. Things just sort of fell apart last week when we were going to record and then we pushed it off and then the weekend fell apart and we were both really busy yeah. earlier this week so first time after 18 weeks in a row of not missing a week we missed a week and i wasn't meant to be i wasn't nope i have to blame but all that means is that we're we're way far behind in reporting and talking about our topic this week so <laughs> So that's all. You probably already know everything we're going to talk about if uh, if you cared. But real quick, we're just going to run down some uh, mobile news. And oh my gosh, 
this is, I mean, this is stuff that John likes, but um, it's actually mobile news, people. <laughs> we have um, iOS 14 out. So are you going to upgrade? Are you going to, did you oh, play I'm with already, the beta? I didn't play with the beta, gonna... but I, I upgrade as soon as the the stable final release is out. So oh, I've good got, for you. got cool. it updated. I've got uh, an iOS weather widget on my home screen. Nice, it's like nice. I'm in 2010 Android land now. I was just going to say, it's like you got an Android phone. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun to bust on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of, that's exciting. And um, let's see. On the flip Ooh, side actually, of that. Actually, on yeah. iOS 14, my favorite feature of this, if you haven't already upgraded, I get a ton of telemarketer phone calls. And I've used like Robo Killer in the past, all kinds of stuff. But my favorite feature of iOS 14 is when someone's calling you and you're using the phone, it no longer takes up the entire screen. It's just a little spot at the top, and you can either opt in to decline it, uh, accept it, or just ignore it, and you can continue using your phone. So that has just been wonderful for me. Um, 100% worth the upgrade right there. Isn't that a feature that you wanted? Weren't you, like, dying for that feature? Oh, I, yeah, I've been waiting for I it I remember for in years. A you mentioning it in a past episode, yeah. and I thought that was, like, the coolest thing. Yeah, it's out. iOS 14 has it. So you can yeah. ignore phone calls and continue watching TikTok or whatever it is. You're using your oh phone. Oh my gosh. TikTok is like the devil. Yeah, I, I had to get rid of it uh, months oh, ago. Man. It's bad. Oh, man. <laughs> it is bad. It is hysterical. It is. I'm yeah. addicted. I'm addicted. I just, I let, I let my girlfriend do the um, curating it and she just shows me all the best ones. Oh, there you go. That's good. Does she post videos or does she just watch? Oh, no. We, we just watch them all. Okay. All right. I was really hoping you guys were teaming up and doing videos. <laughs> So I want to quickly apologize. I hear a bunch of echo on my end, um, basically because this room is empty. And oh. uh, so I, you know, I just want to apologize to listeners if, if that echo is there. Um, next up, sort of along the same lines as the iOS 14, Android, new version of Android 11 is out. Mm -hmm. And um, I really can't comment on that other than I'm sure they have some really kick-ass new things that we'll see in iOS 16. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so if you're an Android user, um, you know, you can upgrade there. And I don't know, is it is it as easy to upgrade OSs on Android as it is on iOS? I, I believe really so. Um, I think it is, but I don't think it's as forward about it. Um, whereas like okay. iOS, it's like, oh, hey, you have a system update and it's not going to let you forget it yeah exactly you can't ignore it you're always going to see it whereas i think android it might be a little bit more subdued so like with android you always see they've got graphs of like basically how slow the adoption rate is and the other mm -hmm. side of that is like if you're on samsung you've got to wait for samsung to upgrade basically samsung's oh, right, version right. of android to android 11 and all all that so as far as i know at least at the time we're recording right now android 11 might only be available on like the Google Pixel devices, which run pure Android. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know. I don't know too much about the changes in Android 11 other than, like, you know, a chat bubble like Facebook Messenger has just being, like, native on the OS. Yeah, I don't know. Android 11's out there, though. Yeah, yeah, so that's cool. I don't, I've never upgraded Android. Like, any Android device I've had is strictly for testing. And... Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's good because that means my stuff works on old junk, but the new iPad is out. 
Yep. What do you think about? Are you thinking about getting one? Do you? Oh, you have a pro though, right? No, I just have a standard iPad. Oh, okay. All right. For some I don't reason, know. I thought you had an iPad Pro. Yeah, I, I've thought about it. I'm like, it'd be it'd be interesting to, I don't know, use an iPad as your like primary computing device. Wouldn't work for programming, but for other workflows, it might. There's, I think they're really cool, but there's no reason for me really to upgrade. I've got a, a standard iPad and the the Apple Pencil. I had like big intentions to kind of learn some illustration. I did it like twice and I stopped. So mm-hmm. <laughs> no reason for me to really uh, upgrade at this point. Yeah, I remember I I bought so many different styluses, styli, multiple styluses from <laughs> like long ago, you know, with the, um, oh man, what are they? What's the, the touch? The static. It's how you can hold a stylus that has a little rubber tip and you can draw and do whatever. Oh, like any, it, yeah, just like the way it, conducts the electricity or however yeah a touchscreen yeah. works through that to the right. actual stylus point yeah right the stuff they sew into gloves and stuff so you can yeah your screen anyway right. i tried so many different styluses to try to get just that right drawing style or whatever and i mean i i sketch stuff i'm no good but you know <laughs> i like to sketch and draw and whatever and i tried multiple times on an ipad to do that and i just couldn't get it so I'm, does the pencil work well the Apple Pencil is, it's its like using a normal pencil. It's hmm. its unlike any other stylus I've used before. The only downside of it, and it's not really a downside because it's fixable, is it's weird drawing on glass. It doesn't feel like you're oh, drawing. interesting, yeah. So they actually make screen protectors which have a little bit of texture on it. So it's more like you're writing on paper. It's, wow. People do in, incredible stuff. I love to watch videos of what people create on ipads because it just blows my mind because it's such such a skill set that i don't have it's so cool to see what they can do yeah that's neat i don't do a whole lot on my ipad i pretty much just read okay yeah that's pretty much all i use it for as well and um in our news our in react native news expo 39 is out so that's pretty exciting yep some nice nice changes yeah so this is going to help you support uh ios 14 it upgrades it upgrades Expo's version of React Native to 0.6.3, which means you get uh, the nice logbox experience, which I used for the first time the other day, and it is, it's awesome. It is really nice. I kind of forget that the errors I I I'm, should be dealing with are there because they're so subdued now, but once I get mm. used to it, it'll be, be good. Another thing that looks interesting is an upgrade to Expo notifications, which allows you to actually have interactive notifications which is like one level further of capabilities we can do. So that's all pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. I started using, I did a little test project with Expo 39 yesterday or the day before. And as as with everything Expo related, it, it worked perfectly. So that was awesome. Nice. I'm excited to see it. All right. So today we're going to talk about React Native EU. And that's why, you know, we missed a week last week. So that's, we're really far behind um, chances are, if you were interested in React Native EU, you've potentially already watched the videos, so you might know what we're going to talk about. And if you have things to add, please tweet us. If you have different sessions, we're just going to cherry pick a couple sessions that mm-hmm. you know looked interested, interesting to us. But if there were ones that you really liked, you know, let us know and uh, and tell us why you like them. Yeah. So I will be talking about day one. Um, First talk that I was really interested in was by Eli White of Facebook. 
and he talked about modernizing React Native's JavaScript and basically making it just work better um, because it has been limited and it has been a little bit of a pain point in you know the way React Native works. So throughout this, he just kind of gives a really nice introduction to how components actually render and how what we write as JavaScript basically translates and interacts with the native counterparts to make our native application. Um, and he also went on to talk about how they're going to improve startup times. So something you may have seen, this primarily in development, but you can also see it in React Native, is that that flash of white between hmm. the notify or the, the system splash screen and your app actually loading. There can be that split second of a white flash. And basically what's happening there is it's taking all of your components, processing them at runtime, and then setting up everything and passing it along to the native side. At least that's why I understand it. And basically what they're working on with React Native is that process will now be set up to happen at build time. So when you actually compile your app for release, just to improve that startup time. So that'll be really interesting uh, to see how that all works out and the actual changes that come out of it. And with that, there are some upcoming deprecations, but from what I can understand, from general React Native user land, there's not anything we really need to worry about. It seems to all be behind the scenes of packages and the actual components that are React Native. So we should be seeing that in the upcoming releases of React Native, and it should be cool. Just, you know, as a platform matures, we just focus more on performance and general just stability. Nice. Yeah, he did, he did a good job talking through that. It's always good to listen to React Native talks from people from Facebook. They they seem to know their stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they've got a unique use case um, in that billions of people are using their React Native components and just how many they have. So that's that's also a nice thing to know. Like they have so much code that they have to manage that like they're very cognizant of breaking changes from a user's perspective. And when I say user, I mean like us as developers writing React Native. So we we can be relatively confident that React Native upgrades are going to be stable when we upgrade. So mm -hmm. that was cool. Always cool to see and understand what's going on there. Another talk that I was interested in, and this is from you know my work case, is visual regression testing in React Native. So basically rendering a component taking a screenshot of that component, and then in the future, comparing that screenshot that is your reference. So like a snapshot, just an actual screenshot, comparing that to later on when you make changes. And the advantage of that is, you know, say you've got some global margin property that you're using to lay things out. You change it, inadvertently changes something, and maybe you get a weird line break, whatever it may be. Visual regression testing can just kind of help you see that without having to go and look at each one of these individual components being rendered. In this talk, Jesse talks about how he actually does this, and he uses a tool called RegSuit, I think. I think I'm saying that correctly. But basically, um, it's, it's interesting because rendering components and taking screenshots of them in React Native can be difficult because it's, you know, we've got iOS, we've got Android, we've got these native platforms, and those can be difficult to emulate in a CI/CD environment. So basically the way he, he does this is by taking your React Native components, plugging them into React Native Web to actually render them in a web browser, 
and then taking a screenshot of them in that context. And by doing that, you can tap into all of these existing tools that already exist for visual regression testing and not have to dive into native stuff or making sure you're using a Mac for your uh, CI, which gets expensive and all kinds of stuff. So it, it was an interesting workflow. I hadn't really thought of that to use React Native Web to do some sort of visual regression testing. And it was just, yeah, it was interesting to see how people solve problems that we run into. So when you would check those screenshots for unexpected changes, was it actually doing an automated diff of those or something? Or was it just a side-by-side -side you would look to see, oh yeah, that's off-center now? If I remember correctly, I think it was basically like the images would be overlaid on top of each oh, okay. other with a, okay. a certain amount of opacity. And there's some tool I've used before. I think it was maybe like an image compression thing. And basically, you could like slide over this image to see more of the original versus the new. And you can compare and contrast these. And it, it just lets you see directly on top of each other what are the differences. And I think it does other like smart stuff to point that out or like... You know, you have a 20% a change in this component. I don't know. It's been a little while since I watched that talk and it was, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just always amazed at the, the tooling people have in their workflows. I'm like, oh man, I'm just kind of a wild west of writing development or writing code and <laughs> figuring it out as I go. Next talk. And this was one I was really excited about because it's something that affects, you know, what I'm doing every day. And that's the merging of React Native Testing Library and at Testing Library slash React Native. We had two libraries that were meant to do essentially the same thing of implementing the testing library philosophy of testing. And what Maria and Michael talk about in this talk, so they're, they're coming from Callstack who has worked on React Native Testing Library historically. Well, they they own that one. It's in their call stack organization. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful testing library. I use it all the time. But it recently got deprecated for testing library slash React Native. And basically, throughout this talk, they kind of talk about what is the journey of React Native testing library and the original testing library slash React Native. And it was really interesting from someone who had who doesn't have a ton of open source experience, especially in terms of project ownership and designing the API. And they just talked about the challenges of the reality that they have to build a tool to suffice their work needs, right? Their development shop, they've got clients, they built the initial version of React Native Testing Library to basically move off of Enzyme to replace a test for a client project. And in doing so, they couldn't entirely fit with the testing library philosophy. So they had to make a few changes, which is where that other project kind of became a thing. And basically just, it was really interesting seeing the organization and the process and how long it can take to kind of figure things out and combine packages to get to one place where it just makes it easier for the users to know, oh, testing library slash React Native is the testing library I should be using. So if you're interested in open source kind of politics and figuring things out and just how that all works out, it was, it was really interesting to hear hear that journey. Go into too many technical details, but it's just, it's it's the journey. It's the story. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. What's interesting to me is I remember way back in episode one or two and we we're like testing, meh. And now you <laughs> are just the test boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great. So many tests. I think I've probably got 500 plus tests uh, oh in the gosh. project I'm working on. Yeah. How it's... long does it take to, to run them? Um, I think the full test suite on my computer might taste, take like 30 seconds. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's fast. Yeah. It's, it's not bad at all. And then like the way Jest works, it's like I can watch the test and then I can filter to just the test that I'm working on. It's, it's just, it's such a good experience and like where testing is now, it makes it really easy to get started and kind of understand. So I'm working on a few other things related to testing that should be on React Native School sooner than later as I'm able to record content. But yeah, it's it's been such a good testing experience between Jest and Testing Library. Uh, it, it's easy now. Testing feels easy. So I'm excited to be in React Native at the end of 2020 and where everything stands. Good. At least something good came out of 2020. Right? Yeah. All right, so last talk I want to mention um, is Performance Does Matter, and this is by Omri at Wix. Wix, if you don't know, is a huge user of React Native, and they have a lot of really fantastic packages. And Wix has always been really, really big on performance. And they talk about why performance matters. You know, They have thousands of users, and I, I don't remember the exact stat, but he said like every half second or tenth of a second or something, that a user has to wait results in 1% uh, decrease in conversions or something, something along those lines. It's a really interesting statistic. And like from apps I work on, which don't typically have thousands, thousands and th thousands of concurrent users, that's not a huge deal for me, but he goes into talking about why performance matters and kind of why that's so important to Wix and the tooling that they build around React Native. He also talks about, you know, performance matters because 35% of their users are using devices that are older than two years. And I'm not someone who upgrades devices a lot, but, you know, I, I'm relatively up to date. I'm I'm using devices that are newer than two years. So that's something we need to keep in mind is that not everyone that's using our app is going to be running on the latest and greatest. I mean, something that I've been learning through building Spectrum is, especially in outside of the U.S., a lot of people use Android devices. A lot of people use older Android devices. Hospitals have terrible Wi-Fi. There's all these different performance considerations we need to take into take into mind. Um, things he also talks about is infrastructure improvements they're doing, different code optimizations they can do to improve performance, and then different tools and monitoring that they have in place uh, that they built, all kinds of different stuff to actually gather the data with performance. And that's, that's an, a really big thing that... I know I'm guilty of is just like, oh, I should do this better because that's the right way to do it or that's the most performant way to do it. But reality is unless you're collecting the data to back up that claim, you really have no idea if what you're doing is worth it. If it's adding code complexity, but it's not actually providing any value to the users, just do it the way that's easier to maintain and write and read. So it's a good talk from someone in a React Native mobile development role but has very different requirements or a much larger user base and much more data to work off of and make decisions off of than someone in, you know, my development position. I really like that these larger companies are using this. Mm -hmm. It it adds to the legitimization of <laughs> React Native. Just because, you know, if 
if you have a, a an app you need to build and you want to use react native and somebody says to you well why would you do that that's facebook you know we don't like facebook whatever there are these other really large companies using this and contributing to it mm -hmm. so it isn't i mean yes facebook holds the keys to the kingdom but every i mean wix is huge and they've contributed so much and especially performance wise you know all this stuff so anyway it's good. Yeah. I just love it. I love the the fact that it's not just a bunch of us little developers, you know, tinkering in this language. Absolutely. There's some there's some really big support out there. Yeah, and it's I I always find people working in these large organizations are great people to learn from in terms of just like looking at their code, looking at you know what are they doing with with this platform to uh, improve it or push it forward. What are the problems they're running into because you know, it's just kind of looking into the future, you're kind of seeing what challenges are you going to run into as well. And like, they're kind of these trailblazers that are figuring these things out for us and passing that knowledge on, be it through tech talks, tutorials, blog posts, or just, you know, reading the open source code that they've made available for us to consume. Yeah, chances are your, your app is not going to have the audience of something Wix is doing, but you might have one or two of those performance issues depending mm -hmm. on what's happening. And, you know, talks like this just sort of open the door to your mind. And while you might not need something right away, hey, maybe you'll end up working for Wix and you'll need to know this stuff. Yeah, definitely. I watched day two and we have links to these days in the show notes and they are full long six hour YouTube videos that you can go up and just click through. I think there's timestamps for day one. I don't know that anybody uh, threw timestamps into the comments for day two, but the first presentation I want to talk about is Xcode complexity question mark, no more. And it's kind of a clickbaity title. And so I clicked <laughs> and it is by Pavlov or Pavlos. Venera, Veneritas. Sorry, man. I just butchered that. <laughs> but what was really interesting, and at first I didn't get it, and I don't know that I would necessarily need to do this, but there's a product or a, a project out there called Xcode Gen, and it lets you create this YAML file of configuration variables. And then you run Xcode Gen against that YAML file, and it will build an Xcode project for you. It's actually really, really cool. And at first I was thinking, well, why, why would I want to do this? I mean, I just open up Xcode and go down through and do what I need to do. Like, I guess I'm not an advanced Xcode person. I'm not an advanced developer, but I just know where things are now after Googling a whole lot. So I can go <laughs> in and tweak little settings and whatever, but this config file lets you set those settings. And so he would, he went through multiple examples to show uh, different configuration variables and how you would set up some of those different screens, some of the target destinations and dependency libraries and all that sort of stuff. So it, it was really, really neat. And this might be something, you know, that, that you would want to um, implement into your project. And the thing that caught my attention first was, okay, well, if I run this, it's going to overwrite the React Native project that's there. So if I do open up Xcode and tweak something, I'm screwed because I'm going to overwrite that. I'm going to have to make sure I go into this YAML file and do this. And it's like, ah, that's just a mess. I don't want to do that. However, he pulls in 
another project called XUnique, and that merges two Xcode projects. And I mean, he knew what he was doing. I don't know that there were necessarily merge conflicts that, that came up in case you would edit the same thing, like go into Xcode and edit something and then, you know, whatever in your YAML file and it's going to merge these two. But it was interesting. It was neat because he would pull up the diff between them and you could see where things were changed and what was and what wasn't. And it was just really fascinating. So hmm. there's a link in the show notes over to Xcode Gen and uh, this X unique project. The next talk is called The Great Divide, Bridging Native Modules to React Native. And that was by Monica Restrepo. And she actually works for Major League Soccer. So this was interesting. This wasn't, um, it's, she doesn't work for a tech company, you know? And so that was fascinating just right off. But she talks about the bridge. And let me tell you people, this is a detailed, this is detailed. I mean, she knows her stuff when she's talking about the bridge. And um, so she's talking about just a summary of what the bridge does and it's just a quick diagram and you know, it's what we all know and love about the bridge or hate about the bridge and how it, it talks back and forth to the JavaScript layer. But then she talks about the state of the bridge and where it's going. And they'll be implementing turbo modules, which gives you improved type safety. There's way less overhead and faster startup. And she goes down through and is talking about the introduction of JSI and comparing with C++ code and JavaScript and all this stuff. And it is, this gets deep, this gets <laughs> deep quick, but it was fascinating because I mean, conceptually, we all know what the bridge is and we know. Sometimes it can be bad. Sometimes it can be good, depending on what you need your app to do. And she just deep dives into this. And I had a little little brain melting out of my ears after this, but <laughs> it was good. It was good. You might need to watch it a couple times, but if you want to know more about the bridge, that's definitely the one. If you're a GraphQL person, if you like GraphQL, um, I like it. I've never really implemented it into anything other than just a few example projects, but there are actually two GraphQL talks. One was Graph SQL and React Native, and uh, that was Katie Kramen from Formidable. And she went down through and talks about Urkel, URQL, <laughs> and how she implements that and uses that. And that was, that was really neat. And then GraphQLifying React Native by Yuha Linneman from Gofor. And that was super detailed as well. So if you're into GraphQL, like this was great for you because there were two specific GraphQL related talks. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not, I don't use it. I, I'm not an expert, so I'm not really going to go into super detail with that. But, but you can check those two out. Nice. Um, friend of the show, Gant Laborde from Infinite Red did a talk and it was called Who Said It? With a question mark. Um, I gotta admit, man, this was total Gantt. And <laughs> I was watching this and I was like, where are you going with this, man? Because it starts off talking about this game that they play called Who Said It? at Infinite Red. And over a set period of time or just, I mean, just in casual talk, speaking or whatever, water cooler talks, whatever, Somebody will say something. It'll be some quote or, or whatever, bit of wisdom. 
or just something that somebody says all the time. And, you know, Gant or one of the other guys would write it down. And then in Slack, they would say, you know, they, I guess they would have a channel or something like that. And he explains all this and just, it's just like a fun game and they throw out the quote and, um, you know, then you had to guess who said it. Okay. And so I'm, I'm watching him explain this and I'm thinking, all right, this is a cool, this is a cool game. And then total Gantt, man, he's like, okay, if you're watching this, pause, pause this video and think about how you would handle this as a developer. How would you structure an app to, for this game? You know, because if one person or multiple people are getting these quotes, then the, all the people that gathered the quotes know who said it, so they can't play, right? If one person is the quote master, that person can't ever play because they know who said all the quotes. And so, I mean, honestly, God, as soon as you started saying this in my head, I'm like, oh, well, you could do this and you can do this. And then you save this over here and then people could submit quotes anonymously and you could actually exclude those quotes, you know, exclude them from playing and answering about those quotes because they submitted them and I'm doing all this stuff. And then he goes through and he actually walks through the code. He used the UI kit, UI kitten for it. And it's, it's actually in the app store. You can download it and you can set up your own, you know, for your own group and you can play along and, and submit quotes and, and whatever. So that was cool. And then he just, he did a code walkthrough to show how he structured things and whatever. So he totally brought it back around. I mean, <laughs> I figured he would, but brought it back to react native. Uh, but you know, if you're watching this one, just keep going, man. Just keep watching through it because all the beginning is just all background on this game and whatever. And, you know, it sounds like, I mean, Infinite Red sounds like a pretty cool place to work. So. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, everybody over there is really great. And um, those are the only ones that I had time to watch. There was another one. Actually, there were two more that I really wanted to watch and uh, report on. The Power of Process Automation Brought to React Native Development by Alexander Kutig and five, lesson learned, five Lessons Learned from a Major React Native Upgrade. And that one really perked my interest only because I've tried to do upgrades in the past and it was a disaster. And so I was just curious, you know, the different things he went through. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, those are up on YouTube. You can watch all of those. And it's broken down day one and day two, and they are approximately six and change hours long. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it, there's so much valuable information. Like we got to give a shout out to Callstack for actually organizing Absolutely. this and Absolutely. doing it. Cause like also the production quality was just like, it was incredible. I it don't really know. was. I, yeah. I'm just always amazed when people are so good at what they do and like Callstack, they just like, they got this. They they did a great job with this mobile conference. It's normally, you know, an in-person conference. And like the way they transitioned this to be an online conference, the speakers, like as far as I know, there was like there were no technical glitches from what I watched. And yeah, I was just I was blown away by the production quality that they managed to pull off. So A plus to call stack. Absolutely. Yep. Really good. So definitely go watch that. It's worth 12 hours every time. <laughs> it's just I didn't have 12 hours so we split it day one and day two between the two of us and, right and I didn't even have six hours so I'm sorry yeah it's I mean it, it's 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 a lot of content so fortunately like, it is yeah 
it being online we've got the recordings already available and i'm sure they'll upload each one to youtube as an individual talk uh, because each and every one of them is definitely worth that and i'll look forward to like referring back to them in the future as i i tend to do with conference talks to try and pick up different pieces i've got as i've got different experience over time yeah for sure cool well yeah, yeah if you haven't already watched it definitely encourage you to pick and choose one these were just a few of ours but i'd say we talked about maybe half of the talks that actually occurred so go through check out the the different titles and watch whatever piques your fancy yeah and if there's a, a talk we didn't cover that really piqued your fancy uh shoot us shoot us a tweet rn nerds an email the nerds at reactnativenerds.com or hit the website reactnativenerds.com find an episode and leave a comment and uh, we'll be sure to mention it on the show definitely yeah thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time yep we'll see you guys bye thank you for listening you can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com <laughs>